0: Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Okay. Ready to go, Reg? All set? Yeah. No, my voice does sound uh, a lot stronger today. Less nasal. I haven't blown my nose in a few days, so I, I think I have finally beaten that cold that I was talking about the last couple of weeks. So, took a while though, <laughs> but no, the instrument feels good today. Uh, I feel a, a vibrato, a timber, if you will, not straining at all. So, feeling good, feeling funky, feeling good. Ready to go? All right, let's go. Put it down the book. Episode three three six. Wow. How's that? All right. You ready to go? Did you notice that the that the music started right? It seemed when I saw your, you, remember there's been a delay after I've said, you know, the opening and then I signal for you to hit the music. Did you notice that it? it, uh, for whatever reason, it, it did seem to to fire up exactly when you hit the button this time? Do you have any idea why? No. <laughs> of course not. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Uh, I'll give you the three S's, I'll give you the uh, the intro, you give me the music, I'll give you a podcast number 336, how's that? All right, here we go. Star, smile strong, three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> and it went right back to the old way. Okay, you better hit it a few minutes or seconds before then, huh? Didn't last very long. Here we go. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNradio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. Don't forget to rate or subscribe to this podcast. But most importantly, don't forget to get out there. Hit the streets. Make signs. Make banners. Get one of those those things that the that the sandwich people twirl. It doesn't happen as much in the in the Midwest as it does apparently on the West Coast, with those big kind of surfboard messages that People stand outside of, a, of a, a sandwich shop or a fast food place and twirl to get your attention. I don't see that as much here in the Midwest. It seems like it's on TV all the time, but that's always on the West Coast, so who knows? We only have three or four months of summer here anyway, so maybe it's not that much of a full-time gig. <laughs> no one out there in January flipping that thing around, trying to get you to go to a, to get a submarine sandwich. Anyway, tell your friends, tell everybody that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podcasting. It should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion, much appreciated. And don't forget, go to WGNRadio.com, go to the prompt for this podcast, and you will find tons of previous podcasts just waiting for you to listen to. I've done 335, so this is episode 336. So, not sure if you have been uh, keeping attention, cl- paying close attention to some of the news that, um, and I use that in quotes, news, I'm doing air quotes right now, but you know, when you go online, on most desktop computers now, and I'm sure on phones as well, you know, whether it's on Facebook or Instagram or or just regular you know apple or microsoft word there's always there's just a a portal that comes up on your screen with a bunch of stories to read and click yahoo news you name it tons of stories out there just trying to bait you to help you click on sometimes they do deliver the goods sometimes they are cleverly written salacious or um, as I said before, well-written headlines that pique your interest and then the story turns out to be an old story or never really delivers on the on the uh, appealing headline that they have stated. It's all about revenues and advertising and clicks and views and all that stuff. So sometimes going for your news online can be frustrating because um, some of it, is not legitimate news. And so there was something, you know, there is something to say about when Donald Trump says fake news. Now, you know, he may have taken that definition to an extreme, but there it is it is legitimate. There is a lot of fake news out there. There is a lot of news that is either manufactured or certainly uh, presented in such a way to pique your interest, especially the headlines. In order for you to click on and once you click on that you know somebody gets a bonus you know hey they got to click on that doesn't matter if that headline was written correctly if it was enough to pique your interest and to um entice you to hit click once you clicked on that story whether the story actually delivered what it promised those people that uh that wrote it or put it together really don't care now that's not everything i'm not saying there's some legitimate Journalism out there still—it's harder to find, even on so so-called legitimate news sources, because sadly, uh, there is so much garbage out there put up there by anyone. I mean, that's once again the uh, the advantage and the disadvantage is yes, there's access to everybody, and that access means everybody can. Put up anything they want, and that can be dangerous. But this whole idea of, of interesting headlines or, or headlines that are there written in such a way to pique your interest to to entice you to click on it, the, uh, the, the, the legitimate media, the media um, that is off, you know online media that is offered by legitimate newspapers like the New York Times, the Chicago Tribune, or the Washington Post or USA Today. Or some of the websites, websites by some of the all-news cable stations, you know, like CNN or MSNBC or Fox News, um, they have to resort to those same kind of. I guess I don't know what you would say. I mean, once again, I'm saying peak your interest or enticing quite a bit because that's about the best way to say it. But you could also say manipulative, because some of these headlines are that way. Because once again, now sadly, we are in a world of clicks and views, and and many companies. Rely on those numbers, be they true or false, to uh, to generate revenue through advertising. So we sadly are are our guinea pigs, are pawns in this whole thing. And sometimes, and, and if you've been reading the you know the online news services or or any kind of a of a news thing, you you sort of have you hopefully have caught on to some of the more reputable sites that do deliver real news and other ones that entice you. I mean, those ones that, that drive me crazy are the ones that they have some interesting headline. Then you go on and then it's basically a photo gallery and the thing that you were talking about isn't even in the first 20 photos. So I, I, I've learned that, that trick now and I don't even bother anymore because the payoff was never anything interesting anyway. But once again, a well-written headline could get you. So I'm not sure if you've noticed uh, or how much you do read these. I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I, I've i said uh, here on this podcast, uh, I've been reading newspapers since I was before I could read. <laughs> or it seems like that. Certainly before the age of 10, I, probably I, I, from 7 or 8, I've been reading newspapers. And it was a real difficult, and two or three newspapers, by the way, a day which is one reason why I've, you know, grown up being such a news junkie and and a, a, a pop culture, you know, kind of uh fan and expert if you will because uh, I've been I've been reading a lot of magazines and newspapers for for the great majority of my life. And uh and it was difficult, but about I would say now it's at least 2 if not 3 years ago, um I did you know, cut the cord in terms of getting a, a hard copy uh, subscription to a newspaper, and not getting that newspaper delivered to my house every day. That was a that was a strange reality. That was a strange reality. Not holding and reading a newspaper every day, like I have been for decades. Um, but I was just, I just felt like um, the the price was not worth. The the, the the content. The newspapers were shrinking and the prices were going up. And I found myself paging through a newspaper within five or ten minutes in terms of stories and, and not only of interest, but their length. And paying two or three dollars for an issue or paying several hundred dollars for a two or three month subscription. So now um I do rely solely on my news via the internet and and television news, and that 's how I get it and I do miss reading a newspaper when I see a newspaper somewhere in an airport lounge or uh you know at a health club or something, I will pick it up and read it but um no that's that's a couple of thousand dollars a year in subscription rates or at least a thousand that uh uh, I I I I feel that I'm not getting my money's worth. So you do have to, you know, when you get online, you do have to be a little more uh, eagle-eyed and have to parse through what could be just bait and click stories and legitimate stories based on the the sources that they come from. But as I said, even the legitimate news outlets now have to some. At times, do have to get a little more clever and a little maybe more, a little more uh, <laughs> uh, sleight of hand to compete, because they're comp- that's who they're competing with. These billion, multi-billion-dollar media organizations are now competing with somebody in their basement They are making up stories or, or whatever. It's amazing, you know. Everybody says, "Oh, well, this is the, the you know." this is evening the playing field and giving uh, people access. I guess that's true to some extent. I I don't think the public knows how to handle that access as we've seen in social media, which I'm going to talk about here. But, um, but Hey, that's, that's the world we live in now. That's the world that a whole generation has grown up on and accepts. And so that's what it is. Um, So it's up to the, sadly, it's up to the reader, the consumer of information. Now, before, the, the ball was in the, the hands of the outlet, the source, to make sure that what information they were putting out was as accurate as possible. That was where the, the, the uh, responsibility once was held, at the news source, so that by the time it got to the public, it was vetted, it was confirmed, and to the best of the ability of the working journalists, it was facts, and so the consumer the reader um had that trust and so they they and they and they they relied on that and so when they picked up the newspaper they believed what the newspaper said because the newspaper gave the impression that that was their sole mission to put out factual information and the public trusted that now we have seen that that trust has been broken down and certainly technology has completely shifted the paradigm of that and now uh, anybody with a computer can especially who has some really good uh, skills can create a website and create a and make things look official cutting and pasting with visuals and and there's no there's no written or unwritten rules about, uh, you know, confirming sources. or So that's the way the news is getting out now. And it's much harder from our standpoint as readers or listeners to disseminate. It takes a little more effort on our point. We cannot just be so laissez-faire. We cannot be so casual. It's just, oh, whatever. I Oh, I saw it on the Internet. Well, now you better search that Internet. I just saw last week, for example, several stories popping up early in the day that uh, Jerry Lee Lewis had died, and um, and I'm not surprised. He was 87 years old. I just read recently that he had gotten inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame, and he was too sick to attend the event, you know, and he was in the hospital or something, and, and he sent a statement. I read this story, and so when I hear this news about a week or so later, that Jerry Lee Lewis had passed away and I'd seen it on several, uh, you know, Facebook postings. Um, I was like, Oh, well, you know, it sounded like he was sick. He's 87. It's not out of the realm of possibility, but, but I wasn't seeing it when I went onto to a regular news site, I wasn't seeing the information. So, that raised up a red flag, a little warning sign, like, well, now, is Jerry Lee Lewis really dead? So then I had to go another step. And I put into Google, I put Jerry Lee Lewis. And I didn't see stories saying Jerry Lee Lewis is dead. And I'm like, hmm. And then later in the day, on my Facebook news feed, I saw TMZ writing a retraction saying that they had gotten a bad source and that someone that purported to be in Jerry Lee Lewis's um, you know was representative or in his inner circle had reported to them that he had died and in fact that he had not died. <laughs> so that's my point. If I would have if I would have just read what I saw on Facebook the first time I saw it and then and, and posted it up on my Facebook page or called some friends and said, You hear Jerry Lee Lewis died um there we go. That's how the bad news and the rumors get spread. So now we have to play the role of the reporter, of checking multiple sources to see if these news items are really correct. And um, it's making the media world uh, a much more complex and complicated place to uh, to both Live in and trust because you just don't know what is true and what isn't. And social media, especially, and I've talked about this many times, has really become like you know an international, global water cooler, and a lot of uh, you know just opinion rather than fact, and everybody with knee jerk reactions, and of course this cancel culture. And if you remember, everybody's now a lot of people are rebelling against the the cancel culture. Uh, this oversensitive kind of nebulous jury on what is right and what is wrong in society. And I I talked about this m- many years ago, at least one or two years ago already now, and the dangers of it and how I was not on board. And now it seems like a lot of other people are beginning to realize just how dangerous this cancel culture idea can be. Um, we're seeing a lot of people that... Um, that were especially during the early days of the Me Too movement, who were canceled uh, without any kind of real investigation, just completely believing the stories of somebody that that said something about somebody without a real investigation, without without a kind of any kind of um, real facts. That was judge and jury, and decision made by the public. Um. And we've seen lives and careers ruined by that. I'm not justifying some of the people's uh, possible behaviors, but um, I think we've seen, and once again, I, I don't know how far this is going, but I just saw recently that Kevin Spacey, who was one of the first or early people that were canceled due to accusations about him um, supposedly assaulting or even molesting um some young actors about 15, 20 years ago. And he was, you know, he lost his job on House of Cards. He was taken out of some films. He hasn't been in a major film since then. But I've just seen over the last couple of years, he's fought these charges and he has won. So was he unfairly judged two years ago? Because now when there's real facts. And people have to, other people have to testify, not just the accuser, not just he said versus she said or he said versus he said, but witnesses and facts when all, when a real investigation or when a real trial is held. Here's a guy like Kevin Spacey, well respected, one of Hollywood's most popular and most successful two time Oscar winning actors. And within minutes, his career was was completely derailed, and he was vilified and canceled, if you will. And now, two or three years later, even more than that, four or five years later, really, as all of these accusations are being fully investigated and brought to trial, he's winning the cases. So now what? What? But it doesn't matter. The accusation so often sticks much longer than the retraction or even the, the the refuting of those by facts or by jury or by investigation, those accusations. Sadly, the accusation, which is usually salacious and head, headline-making, sticks with people more than what we find out, which takes a little longer, takes a little more elbow grease, takes a little time. Because we are we a are knee-jerk society, and we, are, we have no attention span. We want beginnings to end to happen very quickly. We, we don't want to wait in, the, in our consciousness, in the, in the cultural consciousness. So we all make our minds up without the full story, depending on if we like or dislike somebody especially. That plays a, a key role in it. And, um, and we make knee-jerk reactions all the time. All the time. And that's not good, especially if you're on the receiving end of something like this. Because in today's world, anybody can make an accusation about anyone, famous or not. Some of your friends could go on Facebook and say something completely ridiculous about you, you, whether you are a celebrity or not, whether you have any kind of public reputation or not. And that could still hurt you in getting a job or with your friends in your own circle. So we're all susceptible to this. And maybe, maybe we don't want to think about it all the time, but it, that, that, that threat is out there because of this access that social media and the internet has given us. So yes, it has democratized, if you will, and, uh, and given people access um, to information and the airing of their views, yes, a good thing on paper. But I think there's a lot of downsides to it as well. The journalism profession as a whole has suffered, not only as a business but as an entity. As I said before, we, it's, it's hard today to trust what you read anywhere. <laughs> you know, it really is. And so much of what is cluttering our world of information thanks to social media is really frivolous ridiculous things mostly about celebrities because we are a celebrity driven society and have been for decades and once again the internet has only and social media has only you know expounded on that and and and, and elevated that that noise i mean now celebrity first of all it doesn't take much to become a celebrity anymore half the celebrities i i see about celebrities and i'm I'm doing air quotes again here folks uh in these stories you know on the news on these news sites i don't even know who they are the term celebrity is being handed out to you know to just about anybody some viral star, influencer, you know, bad reality television person. I don't know who half, I don't know, who no, I shouldn't even say half. I don't know how three quarters of these people are. And I don't know why they've gotten any notoriety at all. And when I see them then in, in real life and read about them, I realize they don't deserve it. So that's the sad part is that notoriety or celebrity has been, you know, or fame, if you will, whatever you want to call it, has been, that's been diluted too. And that's basically what you see in most of these kind of portals that just offer you what's trending or what's the big news. And one of the big stories over the last couple of weeks, which is ridiculous that it's even a story or that is, you know, what's ridiculous that I'm even going to talk about it, but that's the world we live in. And so when there is a ridiculous or frivolous story like this, which it is, I admittedly it is, but what I do try to do then, once I've been, you know, bait and clicked, I guess once I've been fished, once I, once the hook is in my, in my mouth and I've been, and I've been reeled in, at least what I try to do is okay, well, is there something we can take away from this or is there a bigger, uh, cultural, lesson to be learned here let's get something out of this ridiculous story that that I really shouldn't care about I really shouldn't be thinking about I really shouldn't know about and I really shouldn't be talking about or thinking about and yet here I am now to my in my defense I will I will say that when the story first popped up I did not pay any attention to it and I viewed it and saw it for what It ultimately turned out to be, which was a frivolous story about a celebrity that, if not for the world of social media, if not for the world of Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or anything else, this story would never have seen or heard the light of day. If there was a, the way things were 30 or 40 years ago when there was X amount, you know, a finite number of credible outlets, that were news that that with editors who were who were vetting stories who uh reporters who were 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 researching stories and getting um uh you know getting facts before they were uh, you know disseminated to the public and editors sitting there saying, "Is this newsworthy that is a that that's one question that has been completely eliminated from the public square everything about anything is just thrown out there and those who who throw that out there is just see what sticks and as I said before a lot of times how it sticks or why it sticks is not based on the story itself but how the story itself the gossip itself the opinion itself how it is framed, how it is manipulated, the headline that's there, the insinuations there and how they are, uh, stamped out in the story or put forward in the story can contribute to the believability or the, the validity of the story for at least being out there. But this is a story that in a, in a different world would never have ever have made a newspaper that all. And at best, it may have made a one line in a gossip column in a magazine or a newspaper, but it certainly wouldn't have become the story that it became. And as I said, I, when I first saw this story, when it, when it first began to break, I didn't click on it. I, I did not fall prey to the bait and click of, well, what's this about? because it, it the headline it, the headline itself did not suck me in it sort of made me shrug and groan and and say who cares and move on and i did until the story seemed to get legs and kept popping up day after day with with new news if you will or at least new allegations or new statements from each side to the point where, you know, being a pop culture, you know, uh, aficionado, whatever you want to call it, I'm then my now my my interest was peaked. Now they did get me because this story just did not was not just a, a one timer that that as it should have been there and gone because it, it there was there was it was it was so nothing, but because both sides continued to give it legs as well as because the public were the really the real culprits here who gave this story legs by commenting on it and thus somewhat you know forcing both sides of this story To make a statement. And then, of course, then you comment on the statement that's made. And then the story lives on again for another day and another day. And everybody's looking at what the public is saying. And then bosses, if it's, you know, then, then higher ups are worried about reputations, whether it's the, the celebrities handlers or their employers. And then everybody's involved and suddenly it becomes a story that, that, that does now demand attention when i uh, by all rights it should not so you're saying wow jim what what is this story was this about was this about putin and the ukraine is this about um, you know inflation is this about immigration is this is this the, was this something about the president is this about january 6th is this about subpoenas i mean wow the way I'm describing this now, right? This has to be a major story. Wow! I mean, you know, for this story to have taken on the way you're describing it, to taken on these, these, uh, you know, these new lengths and and all these different opinions and 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 different comments from somebody. My gosh, this must be. You know, is, is there something about you know the U.S. and China relations? Is it something about the new British Prime Minister? Wow! I mean, what what must this be? Don't keep us in um, you know in, in, um, in the dark on this anymore, Jim. This has to be a big story. It may have started like nothing just like the Watergate story did, right? That was buried on page five or six or seven or eight when it was first reported on by Woodward and Bernstein. Oh yeah, the Democratic organiza- you know Democratic uh, organization office was broken into last night. okay, whatever that was buried in the newspaper. You know, a year and a half later, it took down the president, first president ever resign. But it started as well. I mean, we might as well cover it. It's something about the Democratic Party, right? So it, you know, you know, we'll give it you know a couple of inches here in the back of the newspaper, and that's the way this story started. But Jim, what, what, what international implications? What is this story that you're talking about that, 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 that grew and you know, that started as something frivolous and grew into something so important that it caught your eye and you've been following it now. And it, and it became, um, you know, this, the story that, 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 people involved in it had to continue to make several comments on and keep responding to the public as the public was raging and making their minds up on who they believed. Oh my God, Jim, what is the story? Is it Putin versus Biden? Is what is it? Is it is it Trump versus Pelosi? My god, what is it, Jim? It's James Corden versus the Balthazar restaurant in New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. BFD, right? Who cares? Why should I care? And yet here I am, caring. Have you heard? Did you do you know the background on this story? I mean, James Corden, a late night talk show host, best known—I don't know if majority. I would say that name might not even, uh, you know, spring a memory to many people. You may have heard the name. But I don't know if many if how many people even really know who James Corden is. In this world today of so many mindless talk shows that 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 are hosted by people there was a time when there were once again two or three talk shows and you knew who was the host of the late night talk shows. Now there's there's so many and very few of them make any kind of impact. Most of them make their only impact out of certain skits that may go viral and they have an hour show. And basically that whole hour show is to get a two minute viral. They, they have, they've got 60 minutes in which their main job at night, especially the late night shows, they've got 60 minutes and their main job really is out of those 60. And let's say with commercials, Maybe they've got forty-two minutes of real content. Maybe even less than that. But let's you know, let's say forty-five minutes out of, of out of an hour. They've got forty-five minutes of of solid content. But their only bar, what they are judged on, are not even ratings anymore. Like how many people are watching the show when it's on? Because hardly people watch television anymore. Everybody's just you know times shifting and 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 so the goal for most late night talk shows now out of that say 45 minutes and there's probably even less of real content aside of the commercials on broadcast or even cable now if you've got an hour show out of those 45 minutes that you are being paid to provide content if you out of that 45 can just find two minutes Maybe three, but it doesn't have to even be three. Two, because once again, we have a very short attention span in this country and in this world now. If out of that 45 minutes, if you can come up with two minutes that have some interest, that are compelling enough as an isolated two minutes that can be put online, And become viral that people will watch. They may not watch your whole show. They don't tune into you at all. But if you have done anything worth anything for just two minutes out of the 45 that you have of real content, if you can just find two minutes of something that's interesting or entertaining or provocative or funny or whatever it is, just two minutes. During that four, From that 45 minutes, you are a success. You will make tens of millions of dollars. That's no joke. Because for the most part, nobody in any kind of real numbers, regardless of who's the king of late night, that's, there is no kings or queens of late night. Forget about it. Those shows are, are not what they used to be, both in attention that they get or quality. They are, they are pandering. Um, many of them have taken some definitive political views, which is really not their job. And so they've turned off half their audience anyway, one way or the other. But whether it's Stephen Colbert or Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel or Trevor Noah or Seth Meyers, or James Corden, or any of the, these people who have late-night shows, any of them, the numbers that they attract now are so minuscule based on what they used to be in the days of Johnny Carson, The Tonight Show, when, when that was a show that you did watch. Now, once again, there were less options, so that certainly accounted for the bigger audiences, but at the same time, the the content... Is just not there anymore. And the interest is not there anymore. But they have become staples of television. And so every network feels as if they need a late night talk show, but they really don't. They really don't. And I'm not even sure why they still, I mean, I guess they get some revenue from them, but certainly, uh, you know, Stephen Colbert or Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel and the three big networks uh, you know if you their combined audiences don't add up to what Johnny Carson used to have by himself not even close and certainly not in importance or or in or or interest but what they do do what they do do because they are this is their job what they do on a regular basis sometimes nightly sometimes not but what they do do is come up with two-minute sketch, sketches or skits or moments that they do isolate and put out on the Internet every day and hope that somebody clicks on and watches it. And that's how they're judged. That's what, that's what their aim is. So James Corden, if I, whether you know it or not, is on after Stephen Colbert. 11:30 in the in the central time zone, 12:30 at night. You know, it's late for people going to work the next day. So if if you are a James Corden fan, you most likely don't watch the show live until 1:30. You probably DVR it. But James Corden is best known for his car karaoke bit. That is that bit where and it's in it, it's a it's a it was. Now they've obviously run it to death. But when it started, it was a cool bit. It was a, it was an interesting, clever, worthy bit where James Corden would sit in a car with a celebrity and they would turn uh, the radio on and either sing one of a, a celebrity's, a singing celebrity's own songs or he'd be sitting in a car with a celebrity and they would sing a song together like you do in a car. It was a clever, well thought out, well executed bit. No question about that. I give him or whoever thought of that bit kudos. Great idea, especially for today's world. Especially for something to go viral. Two or three minutes, you get the idea of what it is, and it's just funny to see these you know the, the two people singing in the car just like everyone else, so it's relatable. And then, of course, it got to be a cool thing. And then the the, the level of celebrity grew. And you had Paul McCartney and Elton John and and everyone else, you know, in a car with, 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 with James Corden singing their songs or singing other people's songs and Robert De Niro or other actors. So it was a great bit. No question about it. And it did exactly what it was meant to do. It became the one thing every night from the James Corden show that the next day people either went on the website to see what, who was on carpool karaoke. Or it was thrown out there, James Corden in the car with, with Paul McCartney. And that was the way that show was judged. And that's the only reason he has a job today, because he does not get any ratings at all. And he's really not a good interviewer at all. He's a performer. He was a Broadway performer. I mean, that's what he is. He's not a talk show host. He's not an interviewer, if you ever watched the show he fawns just like everyone else does now they all just fawn on their guests there's no real questions being asked there's nobody really it's just promoting shows what's their next show that they're promoting or whatever their project is and the and the host just fawns over them there's no real uh the, the all the guests are 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 media trained and they're talking about one thing there's very little spontaneity so the interviews doesn't matter who the guest is you're not going to hear anything interesting but those shows are built around those two minutes. So if Jimmy Kimmel is you know is is doing some bit, or, or Jimmy Fallon is playing uh, you know, um, uh, you know some some game with a celebrity that that's funny, that's what they'll put out that two minutes, and that's enough to drive the whole show. What a what a great gig that is! You get paid tens of millions of dollars to basically produce at least two minutes of something. Hopefully that will be interesting enough for people to click the next day. Wow, not a bad gig at all. So there's James Corden. He's on the Late Late Show, I guess that is that the name of it. I don't even know. I can count on 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 one hand how many times I've actually watched the show. He's a funny enough guy, but he's not he's not a comedian. You know, uh he hosted the uh I don't know why he was chosen. Maybe he produced it or something, but he if you remember, there was this um, friends reunion special that was on one of the streaming services, and he was the host of it. It was terrible. It was awful. He's 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 not an interviewer. He, he was just fawning over them. It was it was terrible. But he is he is funny. He's a he's a, he's a he's got a lot of energy, and he's a good performer, and that's why this carpool karaoke bit is right up his alley. Notice, it's not about him interviewing somebody. He's a host of a talk show. What is the most popular part of his show is not his interviews. It's something has completely has something that has nothing to do at all with his interviewing. It's about him performing with another performer because that's what he does. He's an actor. He's a performer. That's his strength, and so that is not surprisingly that that's carpool karaoke is the one thing from his show that's known. As I said before, it's a, it's a great bit. They've they've run it into the ground now, but that's the thing that kept that show alive because the ratings are are ridiculous, very low. But anyway, James Corden, oh, you, know, you know, he's on every night. He's hosted, uh, you know, different award shows and, and and things like that. So he's certainly a prominent personality to some extent, even though his show is on very late. This carpool, this carpool karaoke is what put him into the pop culture zeitgeist and he's actually quitting next year already i mean he's probably made enough money where he you know he's you know lucky guy no question he won the lottery he got this job of hosting this late late night this late late show Uh, once again never he was he wasn't even on anybody's radar screen He he didn't audition for it he was in a play in New York on Broadway. And at the time, the head of CBS, Les Moonves, saw him in this play and said, wow, I think he might be good to host this late, late show that we're going to put on. <laughs> Never hosted a the talk show in his life. Just doing his job that night and somebody saw him and... And thought maybe he would be good. Wow. He's really interesting. He's funny. He's got a good personality. That's what I'm looking for. Wasn't really. Can he interview anybody for a talk show? That's not, that's not what's important anymore. As I said before, it's just find any two minutes, whether it is one of your interviews, whether it's a bit you come up with, whether, whatever it is, just give me two minutes a show out of the 45 minutes that you have to do something that I can put out the next day that will get clicks and views. That's all those late night talk show hosts are are um, hired for and that's all they're expected to do it's unbelievable but regardless james corden is uh, is a very wealthy man he's got his own show for several years he's got a good fan base he's uh, he's he's obviously got a good uh, reputation at least he did Um, you know, because he's been a spokesperson for different commercials and stuff. So yeah, very successful career and talented guy for what he for what he's trained to do, which is an actor in, in the theater, but he's not really a good television host and he's not really a big television star. He's not really a good movie star. He belongs on the stage. So it'll be interesting to see if, if he goes back to Broadway and just stays and goes back to his strength. Because he can now. Because he's got to have at least 30 or 40 or 50 million dollars in the bank. And so that's why he's quitting. The show's never made any impact besides this carpool karaoke. But I would, I would say that now, over the last week or so, James Corden has made more headlines in the last week. And there's been more interest about James Corden in the last week than there has ever been in his entire career and certainly do the run of his, of his, of the run of his show including the popularity of the carpool karaoke. So here was this story that was just a small little blip about James Corden getting, being rude to his server at a restaurant in New York. And so if I remember the initial headline, it had something to say, but, you know, James Corden is banned. So once again, this is, I'm telling you about the way uh headlines are written to to entice you to pique your curiosity. It doesn't just say oh James Corden, you know, um has a run-in at a restaurant. <sighs> Boring. No, no, no. You got to choose the right words, the right buzzwords. James Corden banned from famous New York eatery for rude behavior. Now I'm paraphrasing but that's basically the gist of that way the way that that story was initially posted on online news sources. And if you notice there's words there that will pique people's interest, banned, you know, famous New York restaurant, uh, you know, abusive behavior. Wow, we got banned and And famous restaurant, New York, Big Apple, right? Oh, yeah. Abusive behavior, banned, James Court. So that's the way you write a headline. And when I saw that, that paraphrased headline, initially about two weeks ago now or so, I didn't even bother. I'm like, who cares? Don't really care about James Corden and... Uh, you know, uh, you get, you get to a point where you can read through these things. Uh, I, you know, unless he punched the person in the face, which I didn't know if he did or not, but I doubted that he did. So I didn't pay attention to this story about James Corden getting banned from this restaurant called Balthazar, which apparently is a trendy, popular restaurant in New York. Um so James Corden was banned for basically insulting uh the management and most specifically and to the the greater degree his server at the restaurant the waiter or waitress and i believe it was a woman but that we we, we don't say waiter or waitress anymore right now we say his server So uh, once again i didn't even waste my time who cares don't really care about James Corden. It sounds very gossipy to me as much as they try to entice me with all their buzzwords. And I didn't pay any attention to it Went on just, you know, scrolling down and reading other news stories. Well, then the next day, there's James Corden's picture again with another headline. You know, James Corden denies abuse allegations at Balthazar. Well, now we see what's now, you know, now we've got a little more specific. Now the name of the the, uh, restaurant is there, and now James Corden is denying these allegations. So what may have sounded like some little gossipy thing that somebody may have witnessed now seems to have a little traction, and I still didn't bite yet. I thought it was interesting how what seemed to be a very frivolous, light-as-gossamer story the first day about James Corden being in a restaurant and potentially insulting a, a, a server elicited now some statement from him, thus giving it legs, keeping that story alive, Another day with another interesting or salacious headline, another bait-and-click headline. And then on the third day, it says, owner of Balthazar's lifts ban. And so now uh, from, you know, lifts the ban from James Corden. So now I'm like, what the heck? So now I'm interested because this seems to have, you know, now I'm like, okay, this is three days in a row and this story has gone from, you know, allegations and a ban to a denial to now the initial allegation has been lifted. The ban has been lifted. So what happened here? So now I was interested. What the heck was this? Because it seemed to be over. But it did seem to have more life than it deserved or ever should have had. And also, you know, so being a pop culture, uh, you know, interested in pop culture, I, now I was, now my interest was peaked because this thing had taken such an interesting little turn where it should have just gone away after the first day. Never should have seen the story again. But it, three days later, and not only is the story still alive, but it's, it's completely changed. It's resolved itself there was apparently there was some controversy going on here that that was not on my radar screen, which I thought, well, now let me see what this is about. and so finally clicking on and reading the newest news and then getting the background of the story, you know it's it, then of course, I find out that you know this this restaurant tour who owns Balthazar, is kind of known for, he went on, the way this whole thing started, he went on Twitter and, and made this proclamation based on James Corden being in the restaurant that he was banning James Corden. He's never banned anybody, but he was so abusive to the management at the restaurant, especially to his server, um one night uh, calling her names and saying that she can't do her job and she's useless and and he he should he can do her job better and i've never had a, a you know anybody be so abusive to my servers and in uh, the, the and he was praising a server you know she was very shaken and but she she but she muscled through and and finished her shift, even though she was shaken and, and, and upset by these comments that James Corden said. And I will not have my uh, my staff abused. I don't care who it is. And so I am banning James Corden. So that's that was all there that first day. Woo-wee. Wow. So, of course, with all that rhetoric flying on Twitter from the owner, people weighed in just hearing one side just hearing what this owner said that he was banning them and he he purportedly or allegedly did X amount of this sending uh, uh you know the food back and demanding uh that they get an, another one and demanding getting free drinks for because they were so ill served and and they ru- ruined their order and and he demanded free drinks for the rest of the night and this whole thing and so for this behavior, uh, the, the owner of Balthazar was banning James Corden. So now that was the whole story, at least according to the owner of the restaurant. So in today's world, um, especially because every celebrity has a, a group of, of media, of, well, I shouldn't say it, they have social media, person that handles all their Twitter accounts and their Instagram accounts. I got news for you people. If you follow somebody, a celebrity, most of them do not post those pictures or do not write the captions. Someone does that for them on a daily basis. And everybody is now, you know, everybody has a brand, right? We all have a brand out on social media, especially if you're a celebrity like this, a national celebrity, international celebrity like James Gordon. So I'm sure that in um, having worked in the public relations world, even though not in the last several years, but having worked in it, I, I used to deal with with people in crisis, companies and, and even some high-profile people if they got into a jam, whether it was legitimate or not. You know, the news was out there, and And how do we how do we control this? How do we contain it? How do we put a good spin on it, right? That's the job. So I'm sure that once these stories came out, you know, James Corden, for the most part, has a pretty squeaky clean, nice reputation. He's just this nice British guy that, you know, does the car cool karaoke and sings, and he's... You know, he's just, there's never been a lot of, you know, whether you like him or not, he seemed like a nice enough guy. He didn't have a, he didn't, he never said anything, uh, you know, very controversial. He was, you know, he's just, he's just there. You know, he had a good reputation. At least he didn't have a bad reputation. I don't know if he had a good reputation. He didn't have a bad reputation. He was just, you know, smiley, you know. British guy who you know you may have seen sometimes on this show singing with Mariah Carey in a car right that was pretty much James Corden. Well now you know here's here's this guy who had his, who who was always positive at least it seemed and always you know optimistic and laughing and he now you're seeing this dark side of James Corden wow I mean here's this guy that never heard a bad word about him and now he was abusive so that was another thing that kind of piqued people's interest. And in today's world, there's such a sensitivity to anything negative. So you know that his handlers, either whether it was a PR people or social media people, are like, whoa, we got to, you better, you know, this is, you know, you've got this good reputation. You're a spokesperson for many different products. We need to, uh, we need to write this ship. You need to, you know, respond. So apparently, uh, even though this was, like I said, I was, I wasn't involved in this story for, for several days, but apparently, you know, he, he called the um, the owner of the restaurant and apologized to the restaurant. I don't know if you apologized to him or whatever, but they, they worked it out. And the next day, this guy lifted the ban. Or the next couple, three days, lifted the ban. So it was like, okay, it's done. Maybe it wasn't as bad. Maybe the, you know, for all you know, the... The the server may have exaggerated things, and 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 the the owner of the restaurant was trying to protect his employee, which is which is a good thing to do. And so you know maybe it was all just overblown, and maybe the the restaurant owner, in his zealousness to support his server, uh, you know may have gone you know by banning him may have gone an extra two steps on this. But now it sounds like cooler heads prevailed after the event. And the ban is lifted. Oh, the big ban. So now James Corden can go have an omelet again at Balthazar. Big deal. But then James Corden comes out, and he's asked about it a couple of days later, and he basically gives kind of a cocky answer saying, you know, this was so silly, which is true. But he says, I didn't do anything wrong. This was overblown, and I didn't do anything. And it's silly. And, uh, you know, so he's not really admitting to anything. I don't know what he said to the owner. You know, off the record or or behind closed doors, but publicly he basically was kind of not admitting that he made a mistake or blew up or made these abusive comments, basically said I did nothing wrong and this whole thing is silly. Silly he's correct on whether he but but this I didn't do anything wrong is kind of saying that this guy created this whole idea. So now of course the owner has to come back and refute that. And he's like, no, he. This is you know, he. he here's what happened, and he's detailing it now, giving the story more legs. And now, and now, and he's got eyewitnesses, and exactly what he said. Apparently, uh, his wife has some allergies, and uh, there was some egg white in an omelet, and you can't. He couldn't. His wife couldn't eat that. They sent it back when they brought it back the correct way. It had the wrong side dish. I don't know if she wanted, uh, you know, sausage, and they brought her bacon. I don't know. But so then the order was wrong again, and this is when he exploded and and told the woman that, you know, she can't do her job, and I should go back and make this omelet and because I could do it better than you, and all this ensued. Well, apparently he did do this. He did blow up, and he did say this because now there were eyewitnesses. Once again, now this story, by him denying it, now the other guy has to show that, hey, I wasn't making this up, so now he's got to add more fire, and now he gets witnesses and other people in the restaurant. Okay, so now it, sh- it looks like James Corden really did have this confrontation, really did say those things. Whether this is silly and whether it's newsworthy, now that reality, that truth is gone. You've made it newsworthy, either by denying it something that was true or and and passing it off, and now because of course now you made the owner of the restaurant look bad, so you didn't really help things publicly. You may have mended fences uh, privately, but publicly you only added more gas to the fire, which now prompted the owner to come back and now refute James Corden again. To the point that a week later, James Corden now forget about uh you know quotes in interviews or in newspapers or in statements you know printed statements to the press now james corden on his show addressed this issue <laughs> i mean here you are on a network show and you are now talking about an omelet at a restaurant that you sent back that's how silly our society has gotten today and so James Corden then did do a mea culpa and did say yes I was ungracious and I shouldn't have done this and uh, so he copped to it and he apologized because I'm sure his PR people said you know what this is getting this is you're right this is silly but it is so out of control and you're not looking good here And now they've got eyewitnesses, so it's not just he said, she said, or he said, he said. Now we've got some other outside people that are uh, uh, corroborating what he said, the owner. They're backing up his version. And sure enough, James Corden admits that what he did and what he said is exactly what the guy said. Now, what his intent was, and he did say, I probably overreacted and I shouldn't have said this, so he did apologize on his network show for sending back his wife's omelet but then of course the public which gave this story legs as well had to chime in and they said well i don't you know that 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 apology was fake it was scripted it didn't feel sincere that wasn't a good sorry so now we are now we're even rating." the amount of sincerities or you know behind the sorry behind the apology because once again we we just have to we have to chime in as a, a society and we have to comment on every piece of minutia who cares so now apparently that television that network apology was enough for the owner of Balthazar to lift the ban and so James Corden and his wife can now go to Balthazar in New York and have this omelet that they love so much. So what happened here at the ultimate, at the end of the day here? First of all, a stupid story that had no right even being reported became a story that had legs for more than a week and actually forced James Corden to use his network show to write the ship on he had to make a a cons- a, a very uh, you know a, a high profile apology for really a story that was nothing to begin with but social media created it as well as cordon making things worse by not admitting to it and and for all you know you know you know who comes out looking like a rose is the owner of this place. Cause I never heard of Balthazar before in New York and now I know it. So that band and tying this thing to Corden did that restaurant. A lot of great PR Balthazar in New York, never heard of it, never been there. I know about it. Now people will go there. Couldn't buy the publicity. Couldn't afford the publicity that they got for a week. Ultimately, not only just online with your clicks and your views, Balthazar, 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 people talking about Balthazar, but to get on to be mentioned on a network show. You know how much of you know how much a 30-second commercial even for a late late talk show costs? Balthazar never had a commercial on the, the on that show because it would cost a couple of hundred thousand dollars. So James Corden, who did who denied doing wrong, but did did act in an abusive way, made the mistake of first even acknowledging it, but then when he acknowledged it, he lied about it or played it down or dismissed it, which then angered the other side, and then the other guy got his witnesses. So here's the difficult, here's the lesson to be learned. Uh, from this, is that in, in a PR world, and as I said, I, I worked in public relations for 10 years, and I used to help on crisis situations. You always wanted, the, 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 the phrase was, you always want to get ahead of the story. When the accusation comes out, you want to make sure that you come out as quickly as you can with your side, whether it's admission or whether it's denial but you want to make sure that your side is out there so that the accusation, as I said before, doesn't stick as truth. Many times the accusation will always stick even if you are proven correct and your denial is correct. People forget the denial, they forget the truth, and they remember the accusation. But at least you're on the record of saying that this wasn't true and it turned out not to be true. So you always want to get ahead of the story and you want to make sure that your side is out there. But in today's world, a lot of the public relations rules have been rewritten because a story like this could have gone away. James Corden, at the end of the day, if he got bad publicity, he deserves it. Because first of all, in my view, he probably shouldn't have even acknowledged it because in today's world there, as I said before, at the beginning of the podcast, all people, there's some people that all their jobs is to keep throwing stuff up on the wall to see what sticks. So this was a frivolous, stupid story to begin with, and it probably would have gone away and... And he dealt with it behind the scenes, and when the ban was lifted, it was done with. But the fact that he made public statements afterward kind of dismissing and saying it was silly and didn't do anything wrong and not admitting guilt, that's what gave it new life. So he probably initiated the right thing. He called the guy privately and apologized, and the guy lifted the ban, and that was it. The story would be dead. But then he went in after he had felt like he had mended the fence, and then try to defend himself and he got in hot water. In today's world what we've seen is that stories today while it's important to get ahead of the story sometimes depending on the severity and the and the and the real damage the story could do you're better off not even acknowledging it because tomorrow Who's ever generating these stories are going to throw up stuff more and that, and your story will be forgotten because something else is going to come up. We have no, we don't have an attention span unless you give it legs, unless you make me pay attention to it. Nobody would have paid attention to that story. If James Corden would have just let it, let it die, but he couldn't for whatever reason he gave it legs. To the point where he had to, you know, apologize on his own show. Then, some stupid little five minute little outburst that he, five minute maybe forty second outburst in a restaurant wound up being on national television, apologizing. So silly. But when I look at it from a public relations standpoint, from a pop culture standpoint, as I said, I, the, the 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 lesson to be learned is in today's world, while while the first. Counsel or uh, suggestion would have been, well, get out and tell your story. Today, you almost don't have to. If you've seen, you remember a couple of years ago, there was a lot of controversy. Some several public officials in high-ranking jobs were accused of wearing blackface. Do you remember that? A governor or I think a governor and even Justin Trudeau of Canada. You know, they were shown with pictures from twenty years ago or thirty years ago, wearing blackface at a party or something. And while while you would think, especially, and that was right around the whole George Floyd thing, when when race relations were at a were in a tinderbox, and you know everybody was was just so uh, you know focused on 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 race that these these things came up. So you think, well, these people's careers are destroyed, and there were three three people I, I i think there was somebody like a, a district attorney in virginia as well and there was a, a governor of some state and 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 justin trudeau i remember the three of them were making headlines all around the same time of, of being involved in some blackface kind of uh, you know thing at a frat or at a party or whatever it was at the end of the day that should have that should have derailed their careers they should have had to all resign but you know what None of them lost their jobs because yes, there was a lot of heat and it burned fast, but they denied them and they didn't make another statement. And then other stories filled in the vacuum, filled in the void and those faded away. Whether they were true or not, whether they were salacious or not, We have a short attention span, and in the news world, something the the next day, something big is going to happen. It's going to push that aside. And sadly, rather than getting the truth out in today's world, depending on the severity of it, if you can weather that storm, if you're a public figure or even a private figure, if you can weather the storm of the initial outburst against you, if you can personally weather that and publicly weather it, for a couple of days or even a week, if you can take all those hits, if your, if your skin is thick enough and you can, and you, and you don't break down to the, the temptation of, of lashing out or, or denying it like James Corden did and, and basically are downplaying it or actually sounding cocky about it like he did, which added to the, to the tension and added fuel to the fire. If he would have just let it be he would not have had to have apologized a week later and make this a big story because it would have went away. You know, within a couple of days, the prime minister of England resigned. Okay, that's a bigger story than James Corden getting kicked out. But, when, but in, the, in the absence of a big story, you're giving your story that's nothing some new life to keep that, to fill the void until the big story comes along. But there's always going to be a big story coming along. So just hold tight. That's the, that is the, uh, the general suggestion or information or, or counsel that I would offer in today's world, depending on the severity, of course. In James Corden's case, this was a, such a silly, stupid, he was correct to say it was a silly uh, you know, incident. That does, it does not even merit news. You're right. But don't say that because by belittling it, you're giving it life. You're, gonna, you're angering the people that made the, accusation, the accus, accusations because those people thought it was important to put it on Twitter. So now you're creating more controversy, more antagonism, more tension. He settled it behind closed doors. It was done. But then he had to get his side out and, and be dismissive and be maybe a little high horse celebrity. And he wound up paying for it. So two lessons. First of all, if you're going, if you get into any kind of situation like this, depending on the severity, you might want to just keep your mouth shut completely and weather the storm like Bruce Springsteen. We still don't know what happened to Bruce Springsteen. With his DWI, we still don't know the facts. He's never made a statement about that. Other things filled in the gap. We still don't know what happened that night. We have a lot of different stories, but we still don't know. He got away with it. He paid a fine. It was you didn't even hear about that he was that he paid a fine and and, and it was found not guilty. You didn't hear about that. But he has never made a public statement about what happened that night which lends me to believe that he was guilty about it. But you know what? He just kept his mouth shut. That could have been a very divisive, uh, especially with his, with his reputation, the fact that the story didn't come out two or three months till after it happened. There's Obviously, it sounds allegedly like a cover-up may have been going on, but it doesn't matter. It went away because Bruce never really confronted it. He never made a public statement himself about it at all about what happened that night. He talked about his overall impressions of of getting arrested, but he never talked about the exact thing of what happened. He never gave a TikTok about here's what happened. I was there that night. I did this and I did that. He never said that. And the story went away. And now he's got a tour next year and everybody's going to love Bruce Springsteen. But we still don't know anything about that DWI. And that's an important thing. But sadly, we went on to other things. This is even worse. This is, this is so silly. This James Corden thing. This could have blown away in two seconds, but he gave it life. So in today's world, while 10 or 15 or 20 years ago, I would have said, let's get in front of this. Let's tell your side. Let's give this tech this. Let's, let's make sure that we do it. In today's world, because the media has changed my, uh, every, every uh, situation is individual and you have to, you have to look at each, uh, the, you know, each situation and its impact, and what really happened. But we have seen that by not commenting, you can actually save yourself more than trying to get in front of the story. Because in today's social media world, there's a constant need for content. And there's another story, whether it's fake or not, whether it's made up or not, whether it's overblown or not, that's just waiting to be thrown up there again. And maybe that one... Will then overshadow yours. So, James Corden initially, given how frivolous this was about being banned from some stupid restaurant in New York, he should have kept his mouth shut. That's what I would have told him to do. But if he demanded on getting, you know, commenting on it, then if you're going to do that, then do what I said before make sure you tell the truth. And if you are going to apologize, make sure that the apology sounds legitimate and apologize at the outset it took him a week to apologize that was his problem he could have if if, if he denied it which was wrong because that was false he did do it so he should have come out if he was if he wanted to make a statement he should have done that apology four or five or six days earlier when he made his first comments instead of belittling it and dismissing it he should have said you know what i had a bad night I did lose my temper. I I, I shouldn't have. I apologize to the server. I apologize to the staff. I apologize to the owner. I apologize to my fellow, uh, you know, patrons in the restaurant for for making an outburst. Um, here's why I did it. My wife has an allergy. You know, it was a little frustrating, but it shouldn't have been something that I lost my temper on. And I apologize. And I'm glad that they've lifted the ban. And I can't wait to go back there. And I will. And I will certainly show the respect that, that the difficult job that uh, servers have, I will show them respect. And you're done. Thank you very much. There you go, James. That, there it is. That, that's, that's what you should have said. That's free. That's on me. Thank you. But the people that either were handling you didn't have that advice for you or you just went off script and decided to belittle it yourself. But that's what you should have done. Either let it die and let something else, because it's frivolous anyway, it's not life or death, let it just go away. Have some thick skin and let it go away. But if you are going to do it, be sincere in your apology. Admit what you did wrong, and say how you're going to do better in the future. He waited a week to do that and gave the story legs. The other lesson to learn is, for all of us, cool your jets why are what is going on with us today oh everybody's blaming covid and all this but there is such people just have this attitude today we see all these stories about these karens these women or these kevin's but karens are usually these women that are caught on 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 video that are screaming at people and and making all this ruckus and everything about about insignificant little things there i don't know why everyone all of us today are on edge and we all feel entitled and we all just, we, we explode on the, the smallest things. Take a breath, take a step back and realize, is this really worth making a big deal about? Yes, we've all been in restaurants where the service has been bad. But do you need to be abusive to the, the server? The server didn't make the food, first of all. The chef did. So I feel sorry that one of the hardest jobs is being a server in a restaurant because people have this high expectation now. I don't know why. And there's just this, there's this arrogance for a lot of people, whether they're at a diner or they're at a $500 a plate place. But everybody seems to just be ready to take off, I feel sorry for these, for servers in restaurants. And that's one reason why restaurants are having a problem finding people to work in them after, after COVID, because it's not the job. It's the people that they have to serve. The people have become, the job is the same, but the people have changed. There's some weird entitlement, some weird attitude that the average person seems to have these days. So do yourself a favor so you don't, you don't get yourself in trouble, you don't create a scene and you don't get your blood pressure up and you don't abuse the server. We've all had we've all had bad service at a restaurant. we've all gotten the wrong thing or something hasn't been you know you wanted it rare and it was meaty and whatever. You know what? Just deal with it. Stop making a scene. You're not that important. You make mistakes. Is it edible? Could you not eat it? Yes. Oh, they forgot my thing. As long, you know what? Uh, this happened in a restaurant before. They never brought the thing. As long as they didn't charge me for it, whatever. I'm not going to abuse the server and saying, you know, I asked for a side of spinach and never brought it. You know what? Big deal. You didn't bring me my bread. How come we didn't get bread? The table over there got bread. Whatever. Just take a step back. figure out or, or realize, is it important enough to make a scene and to be abusive to somebody and to get yourself and ruin your own dinner or just, you know what, as long as they don't charge you for it. I mean, if you, if they charge you for it, then you certainly have a right to do that. But, or if it's wrong, they brought it back. You know what? If they brought it back at the same time, oh, the wrong side, that's fine. Whatever. That's what I, that's what I do. Whatever. Okay. Oh, I wanted bacon and I got sausage, whatever. Okay. Sorry. Don't worry about it. You might want to say, you know what I did? Oh, I did, oh, did order the bacon, but this is fine. Don't worry about it. So two lessons from the James Corden thing from a public relations and a, and a public kind of thing, you know, it's best to just let it die. Don't add fuel to the fire. But for all of us, in this situation, the next time you're in a restaurant and you don't get good service, maybe you don't leave as much of a tip or maybe you do mention in a kind way. There's no need to be abusive. There's no need to show any attitude. Why ruin your night by getting yourself all upset Then when why give this other person who's working there a hard time too. they're doing their best some people are great waiters and waitresses and service and some people aren't now i'll tell you one thing real quick before i go here when i go to a restaurant i don't know about you this is i think you know because in the millennial world here we're all you know it's it's, it's such a big deal to go to dinner everybody loves to go out and eating at a restaurant has become such a big major part of the lifestyle that, you know, I'm sure these restaurants are now telling their servers to really, you know, to, oh, you know, you've got to become friends almost with, with the patrons. You ever watch these shows like Check, Please? They Oh, I love the service. Oh, you know, I don't really care. I'll tell you, I'm not trying to be rude, but my server, I do not go to a restaurant because of my server. I go to a restaurant for either the food or the company I'm with. I respect the server. I expect a certain amount of proficiency in serving me my food. But I don't need to know the server's name. I don't say, "Oh, I I'm, you know, I, I guess it, I guess it's nice. Hi, I'm Tom. I'll be your server tonight." Like, That's fine, but I don't say, "Well, I'm Jim and this is my wife or this is my friend." I don't introduce myself to the server. I'm not there for the server I'm there for the the company and the experience i don't the server is is there i'm 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 polite to the server. I will joke with the server, but I'm not becoming friends with the server i don't when the server, oh you know here's my favorite i don't some people oh the service was the server was so great they were telling us all about the menu and what they I'm I I I I I'm not I don't really everybody's taste is different. So this person the server says, "Oh, well my favorite dish is this." Well, now you've put me in a spot because if I don't order that, it's almost like I'm disregarding your suggestion or I'm belittling your suggestion, and the fact is I don't like cod. Or I don't like calamari. So that's your favorite appetizer, but I don't like it. So I don't get that. Now, am I insulting you by not getting it? Am I dismissing you by not paying attention to your... So I don't really... I don't look for the input of the server. I mean, they give me the specials. Here's the specials. But when uh, someone says, oh, that's my favorite on the menu, I know they may be told to say that, but I don't, I don't need that. I'm there for the, the food... And for the company, the server, I am polite to, it's your job to bring you the food and, and take my order and bring it to me and be, and be helpful to me if I have a question, but I would rather that they ask the question, that they answer my question, but not offer me. I know that's what restaurants, because everybody is into this whole socialization thing, but I would rather, I, I, I think there's a, a, a server can be very helpful, you know? what if i ask your advice well what would you get or i'm thinking of this and this what would you suggest i've done that and the server comes in and i'll say okay I'll I'll, I'll I'll there you go but i don't i don't necessarily wait for the server to give me oh here's what i like or here's this or you know i i just think that at the end of the day the server is is there to be a part of this of the of the experience, but it's not the main thing. I shouldn't I shouldn't even, to be honest with you, the best server, in my view, is one that I don't even really pay attention to. That's the one that I will give the biggest tip to. That's how I roll. Because they are a necessary part of my meal, but they are shouldn't be determining the success or failure of my dining experience. It's almost that they should be they should do such a good job that it, i that they do what's expected. That's their job. They they take the order, they make sure that it's delivered, they fill the water, if the if the if the if it's slow coming out, they come in and apologize. That's part of their job. But I don't need to become friends with the server i'm there to enjoy i my company or the food or the ambiance the server there to me is a necessary part but almost the the better job they do is the more invisible they are and that's not a cut to me that's what a server has done an excellent job when they have made this a pleasurable experience for me. They came and took my order. My order came on time or my order was correct. Everything was there. Everything great. Perfect. I don't need constant attention. Constant is everything okay? I'm fine. I came to spend time with the person I came with for for the meal, to converse, to spend time with them. The server is, an, is, is a necessary part, but I, in my view, the less the server makes an impression on me, the better job they do and the better tip they're going to get because that means nothing, nothing wrong happened. They did their job. They came. They, they, they took my order. They gave me some water. They brought me what I was supposed to get. They, they checked up on me. They brought the food correctly, whatever, and we're done. Thank you very much. So that's the other part of it too, you know. If 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 servers are being abused more, I'm wondering too if it's because they're being told by their employers to be more involved or active, so that now, you know, the the, the patron is 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 feeling oppressed. If I owned a restaurant, I would tell my servers to be involved but almost invisible the more invisible you are the better job you're doing that's not a knock to me that's a high compliment and i and then i will recognize that person when my meal is over i will recognize they did a good job and it will be reflected in the tip i leave but if i keep getting somebody that's oh oh i I, i've had this oh oh you didn't like that huh you know, commenting on what I've eaten or what I didn't eat. You know, that's I'm not here to become buddies with you or to 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 um, to have some relationship with you. Now, if you now to the other side of the coin, you know, if you go to a restaurant all the time, then maybe you do get a favorite server. But I, but is that favorite server there because they're doing a good job for you? Now, some people, they love, hello, Tom. Oh, your name is Tom. I'm Sam. This is my wife, Judy, and we live in You know, they. that's fine. But I'm not that way. I, I, I'm more that, you know, the server is there. They've got other tables to take care of. I'm not there to make a new friend. I'm there to enjoy the food, enjoy the company that I'm with and i'm there to get the service that i expect but the, the but the, the the as i said before the least amount of uh involvement with me by the server the better that's how i view it just do what do what you're do what you're expected to do or answer my questions but i don't like oh this is my favorite oh 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 they always say excellent choice. Everybody who orders gets an excellent choice, so you know it's fake. So you know what? Don't even say it. <laughs> I don't know. You, say, you might say, wow, Jim, you are... No, I'm, I'm not grumpy. I'm very polite to servers, and I, and I always leave a generous tip. Even sometimes when I don't even get good service, I'll still leave a normal tip. When I go to a restaurant, I'm there to to be with the person I'm with or the group I'm with and to enjoy the ambiance of the restaurant and the food of the restaurant. I don't need to become buddies and and with the server. There's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes that becomes too much. And then when something does go wrong, I think people feel a little... Because they've got a personal stake now with this, with their server, that now they feel that they've got some right to lash out at them. So I would just say you know what? Respect your server, respect them as a person, and respect the job they're doing. And as long as they give you attentive service, And they bring things and they and they 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 bring you things and they answer your questions. That's all you need to do. Don't show attitude, don't show superiority. You're not better than them because you're coming to that restaurant. That's that's kind of the attitude that's going on. Like, well, look, you know, I am at a restaurant and you're just my server. I never look at people like that. I know the job they're doing. I never had to do that job. I never would. That's a tough job. So I give anybody who is a server at a restaurant a lot of credit because that is not easy, especially in today's world. It's not, a, it's not an easy job to begin with. And if you're the patron, don't make their job harder. Don't make it more antagonistic. And if you're the owner too, you know, maybe, I don't know, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm different, but I think the less the server is involved in my eating experience, the better. And that's not a knock. That's actually, in my view, you've done an excellent job. You've done, you've let me focus on what is important to me when I go to the restaurant, is the food and my company. So if you've done a good job in just providing that to me, I don't need all that extra crap. As long as you've brought me the right food that I wanted, And you've you've shown me attention. You've brought some water if I need it. You asked me anything else, but you let me be. You don't need to become a part of my meal. I don't need the server to be a part of my meal. Some people do. That's great for if you like that. But I think that a lot of times that might lead to this. I'm not snobby. I'm not disregarding the server. I will joke with them, I will make a comment, I will ask questions. But I don't need them sitting next to, I don't need them sitting down next to me talking to me and becoming my friend. I didn't come there to spend time with the server. I came there to spend time with my eating companion or companions and and for the food I'm going to eat. So that's just me maybe. But I think it might help in when you go to a restaurant and, you're, and you wonder about, you know, the time you're going to have. If, you, if your expectations are too high from the service, you're going you're to get angry. And if they're below what you expect, you know, okay, some, you know what? Some servers are better than others. Some people are better at their jobs than others. But it's not an easy job. It's a thankless job many times and it doesn't pay much unless you give them tips. So, I will even overlook a bad server. Now, if I go back to a restaurant a couple times and I continue to get bad service, I won't go to that that restaurant anymore, but I still will never be abusive to the server. My my statement is I don't go back. If I get good service, you know why, you know how I know it's you know how you, you know how I got good service. Not only did I leave a tip, but I came back. One night, you go to a place that's understandable that you might not have gotten good service. That's fine. You go back again a second time, and you get the same kind of bad service, then that's indicative of the restaurant. And, then, and that's the way I send a message. I don't go back. You lost my business. Let your actions speak louder than your words. Check, please. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com. Or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast, we are there. And don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs, too. Your loyalty and devotion is much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 336. I'm Jim Toronto. I ain't here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic from the end of the web to your screen.